What do you want to tell Joe Biden right now? I guess I would say thanks for stopping by, although the uh, visit was brief, Renee Vitale. It was very brief, but uh, impactful? Maybe. I, I'll tell you what. It was nice to see Sean Fain smile. I don't there think it I, is. I don't think I've seen him smile since this whole thing started. It was more of a photo op, I'd say. It, it was, and... Um, Switched it up on us a little bit. We were all under the impression he was going to Wayne Assembly. He ended up going to a GM parts distributor distributor out in Ypsilanti. Uh-huh. Uh, gave a short speech in support of the UAW workers. Uh, here's a little uh, taste of that. Wall Street didn't build the country. The middle class built the country. Yeah. 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 built the middle class. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fact. So let's keep going. You deserve what you've earned, and you've earned a hell of a lot more than you're getting paid now. Thank you very much. So yeah, Sean Fain was in intent was in attendance. Uh, uh, Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist, my Congressman Shri Tanadar, my. F- my former Congresswoman Debbie Dingle and Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib were all there, and uh, I don't know if it, it, it seemed more congenial than I thought. If you remember mm-hmm. last week when he told uh, both Donald Trump and and Joe Biden to stay away from the negotiations, and then he invited uh, Joe Biden by name to to come visit the picking line. If 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 Joe Biden was looking for the UAW's endorsement, I, I think he might have gotten it. Well, he got a smile, so that's a start. Right. He got a Sean Fain smile. Which that's the real victory. Right, right. Uh, You know, he is not going to get a smile out of Sean Fain from Donald Trump. Donald Trump is not going to get a smile, I should say. Uh, In fact, you know, Sean Fain says, I find a pathetic irony that the former president's going to hold a rally for union members at a non-union business. This is, of course, because Donald Trump is coming to visit. Right. Tomorrow, or excuse me, today. Today, Tonight, yeah. He said this during an interview with CNN. During the interview, Fain called out Trump for not joining the GM strike in 2019 during his presidency and says that the union has not spoken to Trump's campaign about the rally and he doesn't intend to. He says, I see no point in meeting with him because I don't think the man has any bit of care for what our workers care for, for what the working class stands for. He serves the billionaire class and that's what's wrong with this country. So we will not see those two smiling in pictures together. No, and I I don't think Sean Fain's even going to show up. Uh, He's going to be speaking tonight, former President Donald Trump at Drake Enterprises in Clinton Township at 8 p.m. But what if Sean Fain just he did show up and he just sat there with his arms crossed the whole time. And he wears his camo shirt. Yeah. Put, puts on <laughs> his intimidating camo shirt. Yeah. Uh, so I, looking into uh, Drake Enterprises, they're, like like you said, Sean Fain said, uh, they're not a union shop. They're a tier two and tier three parts supplier. Uh, they make machine parts for engines and transmissions. And I think they were picked Uh, because I think it was Crane's talk to the owner, Heather Dombrowski. She owns it. Her grandfather founded it in 1952. She says that if EVs take off, they'll be out of business, obviously, because electronic Mm -hmm. vehicles don't need engines. They don't need need transmissions. So I'm going to guess that Donald Trump's strategy is going to be somewhat similar in in blasting the big three, but I don't think he's going to be blasting the big three um, for their... uh, you know, for for the agreement and, and the pay and the compensation for workers, I think he's going to blast them for trying to transition electronic That's, vehicles. I, I would have to imagine that'll be his take. It's funny yesterday, though, because uh, a reporter asked Joe Biden if auto workers deserve a 40 percent raise. He said yes. What else was he supposed to say in front of the auto workers? I know. Nah. Could you imagine if he's. Nah. Yeah. Could you imagine? <laughs> I think they should maybe dial it back to 29 <laughs> percent. What? 
I would have one shot, and that's a question you come up with. Uh, to be to be honest, though, Renee, I I, I kind of hope I kind of like the fact that they weren't going to uh, endorse either candidate. Uh-huh. Um, you know, just because you don't endorse Joe Biden doesn't mean you need to endorse Donald Trump. Obviously, I, I think if uh, uh, you read the history and and you know you read the the smile on Sean Fain's face, he probably would rather have Biden. Uh, he's he's come on record and said Trump would be disastrous for unions. But he also said we need to stop electing millionaires and billionaires. And Joe Biden is a millionaire as, mm-hmm. as far as I know. So I, I, I kind of like the thought of them not endorsing either one. But I kind of feel like that endorsement's coming Joe Biden's way. Right. Uh, Hunter Biden sued Rudy Giuliani and another attorney Tuesday, saying that the two wrongly assessed, excuse me, accessed and shared his personal data after obtaining it from the owner of a Delaware computer repair shop. The lawsuit was the latest in a new strategy by Hunter Biden to strike back against Republican allies of Donald Trump, who have traded and passed around his private data, including purported emails and embarrassing images in their effort to discredit his father, President Joe Biden. The suit accuses Giuliani and attorney Robert Costello of spending years hacking into, tampering with, manipulating, copying, uh, disseminating, and generally obsessing over the data that was taken or stolen from Biden's devices or storage, leading to the total annihilation of Biden's digital privacy. The suit also claims Biden's data was manipulated, altered, or damaged before it was sent to Giuliani and Costello and has been further altered since then. Now, Costello used to represent Giuliani, but recently filed a lawsuit against a former New York City mayor saying that he did not pay more than $1.3 million in legal bills. Yeah, uh, Hunter Biden is suing everyone and everybody is suing uh, Rudy Giuliani. Right. It's this vicious cycle. And this story is so weird because, they, um, you know, Rudy Giuliani and Bob Costello, they allegedly obtained Hunter Biden's laptop because he took it to a computer repair shop mm-hmm. and he never picked it up. And then I don't know if the owner of the repair shop told them that they that he had it. But I, I guess he tried contacting Hunter Biden a whole bunch of times. He never picked it up. And so, um, I mean, Hunter Biden's lawyers have been very busy. They're, they're, they're suing really Giuliani. They're suing the IRS because of those two whistleblowers who um, testified in front of Congress saying that their investigation was throttled. Uh, on top of that, he's facing those indictments. I, I mean, here... Is there a way both these guys can lose it? it, it, Besides uh, Joe Biden and former President Trump, there's there aren't two people out there. I'm I'm sick of hearing it. It's amazing how much time we spend covering people that we're just absolutely sick of hearing about that have both done bad things. Right. And yes, make them like cancel each other out and put them both in jail. It's yeah. Very. uh, (laughs) What do we call it? Uh, DC TMZ. That's right. Yeah. Um, And by the way, tonight there's another Republican debate. Uh, That's we, what I've heard. In case we forgot. <laughs> and this one's kind of weird. Obviously, it's it's in California. Donald Trump's not going to be there. He's going to be here in Michigan. Um, they haven't really narrowed down the field. They had eight. They had eight people last time. They've got seven people this time. Yeah. Um, Ron DeSantis, Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, Chris Christie, Doug Burgum, Mike Pence are all going to be on the stage. The only person not on stage this time around, uh, former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson. Um, yeah, they need to start. They need to start narrowing this down because 
Um, going from eight people to seven people is is not it. And, and to me, Renee, there's almost a feeling of futility watching this thing because we all know we all know Donald Trump's going to be the nominee, right? right? And so now I think we're 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 just watching to see. Uh, who's running for vice president? I think everyone up there, except for Chris Christie and Mike Pence, are, are vying for that vice president slot, especially Vivek Ramaswamy. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe you're looking for a backup in case for, for some reason uh, these indictments don't go Donald Trump's way and he can't run. But other than that, I, I, I feel like there's a futility to watching these these debates. I wish I would start them a little bit earlier. Yes. 9 p.m. Yeah, come on. And it's two hours, so that takes us to 11. That's the middle of the night for you and I. Right. And, and anybody and, up this early listening. Right. And, and here's the thing. You know, uh, I, I think anyone over the age of 40, it's tough to stay up that right. late on a weeknight. Come so. on. And then we've got the Lions game tomorrow. It's going to be a rough couple of days for us. I would say I would just tune into WJR the next morning and listen for the coverage. Uh, it turns out we are WJR. We are. We're responsible <laughs> right. for the coverage. We've got you, boo. All right. Let's take a break because I'm going to start napping now. It's first thing <laughs> with Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale on WJR. With Renee Vitale and uh, Renee, from the uh, eighth floor of the Fisher Building here, we have a uh, somewhat obstructed view of Motor City Casino, but but you've been noticing something uh, that, that you've seen over my shoulder because uh, inside the studio, you're actually looking out at it the whole time. Yeah, Miggy is on the side. I mean, not, not really, right? but kind of. Right, don't call the police. It's, he is not scaling <laughs> the side of the building. But yeah, you were looking outside and said, what do they keep flashing on the side of the Motor City Casino? And uh, uh, it, it said number 24. Yeah. And like, I said, I don't know, for some reason... I feel like that has something to do with Miguel Cabrera. That's his. That's his number. Yeah, so, yep. it's his last. Uh, last, uh, not only homestand, just his last few games as a Tiger. Um, he is going to play tonight. AJ Hinch announced he's going to play tonight. He's going to sit tomorrow, and then he's going to play uh, the rest of the weekend. And I'm just kind of looking at ticket prices here. So ticket prices for tonight. I'm surprised they're they're going for nine dollars probably because it's a weeknight. But he is playing tonight, so if you want to get down there uh, right now, tickets going for nine dollars. Tomorrow they're going for six dollars. Now on Friday, they're starting at twenty eight. Saturday, they're starting, and I'm looking at uh, StubHub here. Saturday they're starting at twenty eight, and I saw uh, Sunday. Which I think is his is Sunday his last last game. Yep, yep. Sunday. Mm-hmm. They're starting at forty seven dollars, standing room only. And the weather is uh, looking decent for the weekend. And for some reason, people uh, opening day next year is already up here on StubHub. Really? Wow. Wow. Uh, there's there's literally four tickets for sale starting at one hundred forty. So yeah, I, I, if if you want to see Miggy one last time, I think tonight's your best bet because he's playing tonight, mm-hmm. and 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 they're cheap. So. Um, where did my story go? Here we go. Um, so it, it's kind of funny, you know, it, it just tells you how crazy our news cycle is, Brene. Um, when the, uh, House Oversight Committee in Congress holding its first, uh, impeachment inquiry, uh, isn't even one of our top stories, but, but, but it's what's happening. Uh, the House Oversight Committee, they, uh, announced that they will hold its first Biden, Joe Biden impeachment inquiry uh, tomorrow. 
The impeachment will focus, according to Kevin McCarthy, on allegations of abuse, power, obstruction, and corruption by Biden related to his family's overseas dealing. Pretty much they're, 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 they're trying to prove that Joe Biden leveraged his position as vice president mm-hmm. back when he was vice president to, to, to help out Hunter Biden in overseas business dealings. Um, and, you know, not to sound like a broken record. If you think somebody really did something illegal and they really did something corrupt and they should be punished to the full extent of law, that's fine. But but can we wait until we know the government's not going to be shut down? I know. Can we prioritize here? The deadline is literally uh, days away. Um, You know, there's 800,000 federal workers who might be furloughed if they don't at least pass a stop uh, stopgap budget bill. Or Take, working without a paycheck. Right. Take care of that first, and then you can do this. I, like the Trump impeachments, it's not going to go anywhere. They don't have the votes. Mm-hmm. And, again, I just wonder how the normal nonpartisan um, citizen who's not pro-Trump Who's not pro Biden? They're just trying to live their lives. How are they looking? What are they? How are they looking at these people in Congress when we're heading towards a shutdown and they're, you know, trying to impeach the president currently? Yeah, it's kind of like when we're having company come over at my house and I ask my husband to help clean and he goes and cleans the attic. <laughs> right? Like, can you? No, that's not what I meant. Right? Let's prioritize here. The attic is where you put all the the junk from the rest of the house. Right? And we don't feel like giving this you is the junk right a now. Thorough cleaning. Right. Exactly. Um, so, you know, I, I'm convinced that this life is just a, a competition to separate as many people from their money as possible. And uh, Tinder, Tinder is stepping up their game in that department. Uh, yes, they are. So uh, <laughs> I uh, once again, uh, another uh, another story of why I'm so happy I'm not in the dating game anymore. They have just announced a new exclusive high-end membership tier called Tinder Select, which will cost $499 a month or $6,000 a year. Now, for that price, you might expect a personalized experience with human matchmakers. But no, it's still just the normal Tinder algorithms. You just get special access to Tinder's most sought-after profiles so they can enjoy exceptional connections, whatever that means. Um, There's a few other perks, like being able to direct message others without matching, but only twice a week and only if the other person is accepting DMs. And you also get to test new features and hide ads if you're an avid vip tinder user who's wealthy this might be worth a shot however it seems like it's mostly a status thing since tinder gives these folks the ability to add a special select badge to their profile It's like buying a check mark on twitter it's exactly what this is so if you're interested the tinder's website says that they're not currently accepting applications but to continue to check back because they're going to open it up to their most active users on a rolling basis and they want to keep the number of select users to less than one percent for $499, someone from Tinder better come over and take me out to dinner. Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, here's the if, if if I was still in the uh, online dating game or phone app dating game, I met my wife back. I met my wife back when online <laughs> dating was done on a computer. Uh, right, wow. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, if, if I'm on Tinder and I'm swiping around and I see someone's got that little check mark thing, uh-huh. I'm like, this person's bad with their money. Uh, exactly. Bad swipe. I don't know if it's swipe bad or swipe left. That is accurate. But maybe they're thinking, oh, well, this is going to show I have money. So maybe it's, I don't know. 
Yeah, I I would I would say a DB is what I would call that. Yeah, person. right. Exactly. <laughs> a player. Um, you know that, that there's like this paradox when it comes to online dating sites. Like, obviously, they have to work well enough for people to use them. But also, if they work too well, they're put out of business because because if you have success on a dating app, you know, unless you're unless you're unfaithful, um, people are going to stop using your product. The better it works. It's kind of weird. I forgot which dating site that was their tagline. We hope you delete us or we're the app you hope you you delete. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's enough people breaking up. And enough people who are single and lonely that, it, you know, it, it always feeds the machine. Well, but... then there was the Ashley Madison site, which was for infidelity. Yeah, for that. Yeah. And, and I don't know if that's uh, still in business, but I'm sure I'm, I'm sure that one's probably got the most job security because, right. you know, because cheaters are going to cheat no matter what. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, really weird kind of crime spree downriver. If you remember the Friday before yeah. Labor Day, a uh, mail carrier in Taylor was held at gunpoint while delivering mail. Uh, the assailant took their keys, but not 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 the mail truck, and the and the majority of their keys were recovered nearby, except for one. It's like this master key that opens all the mailboxes in Taylor. Yeah, it's like a skeleton key. Yeah, it, and um, they didn't catch the person, and it happened again on Monday, and this time it was three people uh, at the courtyard townhomes off Eureka near Beach Daily. This time, three men in a mask. Uh, put a gun to the back of a female carrier mm. and demanded her key. Uh, both of these inc- incidents happened in broad daylight. and uh, But this time it was caught on camera, and police say that they have solid leads. So that's good. There's no injuries uh, in either stick-up. But uh, if you live in Taylor, I'd, I'd, I, I, I would keep a closer eye on my mailbox, and I would send out all my important bills, maybe from one of those big blue mailboxes in like... Yep. Uh, you know, in Romulus or some kind of a, a, a adjacent city, yeah. um, you know, where, where where these people don't have the key. That's scary. I, yeah. And that's a federal offense. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a federal offense. It'd be a federal offense for me to just walk to your mailbox and, 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 and take your mail, let alone taking the whole city's mail. Maybe this person just wants to go and pay everyone's bills. Right. It's like Oprah. <laughs> Oprah's so bored. Yeah. <laughs> You, you get your bill paid. You get your bill paid. You get your bill paid. Something tells me that's not it, though. No, but it would be nice. Mm-hmm. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. And as always, it's that time of the morning where uh, Renee Vitale and I are joined by the JR Morning Crew. I believe this morning we've got uh, Guy Gordon and Lloyd Jackson uh, live in location. Where are you guys this morning? We are at the French American Bistro at the Statler Hotel, a lo- wonderful Joe Vicari uh, property that is right here in Grand Circus Park. It was a lovely morning. I mean, oh, wow. it's 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 cool, but it was uh, very pretty, and, uh, and and Grand Circus Park's all lit up. And downtown looks so great. Yeah, it so great. It, it's just amazing what's happened here, and uh, this is just one of the new eateries, and we're going to be joined by all the rising stars that we have uh, uh, honored uh, along with the Detroit Economic Club. Yeah, and it's going to be a great broadcast because we've been talking uh, to all these rising stars over the course of the last few months, and uh, they're all very dynamic. They all have very, uh, very fascinating stories. And the thing about uh, uh, folks who reach the level of success that they have reached is that no one's really taken the same path. Um, some some yeah. have gone after it. Some have kind of fallen into it. And it's going to be a really interesting morning uh, hearing all their stories. And all are dedicated to the community. 
I mean, they all have that component that they want to make sure that they give back, whether it's coaching a soccer team or, or you know, in heavy involvement in the outreach programs that the DEC does. They're really committed, which, which is, is also cool. Uh, yeah. When you give back to the community because you're helping others who come behind you, and it just uh, gives them that uh, that mentor spirit, and it just it helps the community. It helps the city grow. Now, I made, I made the mistake of looking up the menu at the Statler here, and uh, everything looks so good. You know, I love my kind bar and my banana, but, uh, you know, it's not quite croquet madame, which oh. is what I'm uh, craving now. Can you bring us back a doggy bag, please? Madame what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, we'll just text you. Renee and I will text you at the end of the show, and you guys, if you guys could just swing by the station on your way home. Croquet madame. <laughs> madame croquet. Me and uh, Madame Vitali are very hungry right now. I, I will say that their coffee rocks, and so does the tea. Wow. Well, you, yeah, you, know, you guys are helping, but we're already uh, having the continental war that's going on in the United Kingdom right now about whether coffee or tea is that's now right. the preferred drink of, of Great Britain. It's not a spot of tea anymore. It's a spot of coffee. Well, right. I can tell you my top. gas station coffee is not cutting it this morning. I, I know it. Give me that dark container cup full of shell coffee and I'm yeah. fine. You don't get Speedway rewards for tea and crumpets. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so yesterday, you know, Joe Biden, he showed up. He, did, he didn't go to the Wayne Assembly plant like we thought he was going to. He went to a... Uh, GM parts supplier out in Ypsilanti. And for an 80-year-old guy, that was a pretty good feint, wasn't it? He, 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 <laughs> feigned, he feigned us. Yes, he did. He feigned us? I, I, is that a, is that a yes. new word? That's new a new word. word. He, he feigned us. us out? He feigned us out. Well, I, I, I was saying to Renee at the beginning of the show, it was just it was nice to see Sean Fain smile. You haven't seen a whole lot of that, but uh, he was ear to ear with uh, uh, President Joe Biden. Do we think that Joe Biden uh, secured that endorsement yesterday? You think they're going to just not endorse anyone this time around? Uh, you know, I don't know. And he he didn't say much. While he was there, the it was president. like a fifteen-minute visit. It was really brief. If you went to ninety, less than ninety seconds. Yeah, I put yeah. a clock on it. He spoke for fewer than ninety seconds. Yeah. If, if you went to the bathroom, you missed it. You did, and a lot of them. How did you know? <laughs> a, a, a lot of the like, worker, a lot of the workers thought he was going to leave there and go to uh, Michigan Assembly and right. Wayne. Uh, they were waiting, and he didn't show up. But they were not too disappointed they said you know they know he's busy and you know they made excuses but yeah he actually said more on monday in the media scrum with the white house press corps than he did at the event yesterday but that really wasn't the point I and mean, we'll talk about this yeah. off the top at six it was it was the symbolic nature of it then he did break with history you know the question is is how did it play with non-union workers uh, how does it play with people in the salaried workforce or with consumers that are trying to get their cars repaired and may have problems doing that uh, in the next couple of weeks? Mm -hmm. I also love how a reporter asked him if, um, you know, he felt like the auto workers deserved a 40 percent chance raise. What was he supposed to say <laughs> in that in that moment other than yes? I mean, what if he would have said, what What if he was like, yeah, right. I'll tell you exactly what he says. What he said before is I'm hoping for a win-win outcome for both sides, mm -hmm. which is what a smart politician would yeah, say. They'll hit those specific numbers. No. Yeah. Uh, stay. Yeah. Stay away from the details because mm -hmm. you're likely to alienate somebody. And that's the tightrope that, that President Biden had to walk yesterday. 
Yeah, and then tonight, um, before the debate, Brian Morton and I were actually talking before the show what time we actually think Donald Trump's going to come on. It starts at 8. We think he's probably not going to go on until 9 o'clock to, to, to really bite into the audience uh, of, of of the debate. And, uh, I, you know, I, I it, obviously it's going to be a little different. He's going to speak for a little bit longer than Joe Biden did. And I think they're both going to take their shots at the big three for different reasons. You know, Joe Biden took their shots at the big three for, um, you know, not meeting the UAW's demands. Uh, I think we're going to see um, we're going to see a lot of condemnation of uh, the electronic vehicles and the big three's approach to him tonight uh, with Donald Trump's speech out there in Clinton Township. Who's going to who would carry that? speech because the debate is on fox they would usually carry i was wondering uh, that myself you know trump's speech so the, you know msnbc cnn i don't know if they would actually carry it well so. you can bet newsmax is going to be there. Yeah. well right. newsmax, yeah, yeah that's, um, that's true that's and true. But, you, but you're right i, I it, it, there is a question about how many people will see it they'll they he may try to straddle the fence there and at least uh, get on the podium before nine o'clock but uh, yeah whether fox would break away from its you know pre-game Right. <laughs> right. Well, I don't know. Yeah. See, I do have good news for you. We actually are carrying it here on WJR. And that's going to lead us to a conundrum because if he's if he's still talking during during the debate, you know, then what? Cut away. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, but but you know, the Donald Trump speech will be here on WJR and then when that wraps up, we'll we'll be going to the Republican debate. So, uh but yeah, you would think at least one of the local TV stations would carry it. Politics aside, it's just a huge story. So we're streaming yeah. it live on their websites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you'll see that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely on the mothership, but they'll they'll have it on their streaming yep. service. Yeah, I don't know if NBC is going to break into the voice, but we'll be able to find it. <laughs> JR Morning coming up next, and you can find us wherever you listen to your podcast. Just search First Thing WJR. Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, and Michigan has had a rough go in recent years when it comes to weather-related power outages often ranking towards the bottom nationally when it comes to reliability. Greg Salisbury, vice president of electric distribution engineering for Consumers Energy, talks to Guy, Lloyd, and Jamie on JR Morning about what they're doing to shorten the amount and duration of outages. Well, there are studies that show that Michigan, in unfortunate ways, leads the league when it comes to the frequency of power outages for customers of the utilities and their duration that they can last days. The Michigan Public Service Commission has said in no uncertain terms, this is completely unacceptable, has mandated uh, the major utilities to come up with a plan. And yesterday, Consumers Energy unveiled theirs. They call it a roadmap to reliability. Greg Salisbury is vice president of electric distribution engineering for Consumers Energy uh, there in Jackson, Michigan. And he joins us live this morning on JR Morning. Good morning, Greg Salisbury. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So this this road map, um, <laughs> how far down the road are we to getting to these goals of no longer than 24 hours uh, per outage and no outage larger than 100,000 customers? Well, we've been working on some of the key parts of this roadmap for a couple of years, but we're super excited. We've listened to the customers. We've looked at the condition of the assets. And more importantly, we've looked at the changing weather patterns and changing demands. We know that the last four years have been the windiest years we've ever measured, and we expect that to continue to increase over the next 10 years. And in those 10 years, um, we will be taking decisive measures to move down this roadmap 
and deliver this objective. So you're, like you said, we just unveiled our five-year plan. So the first part of that journey to, uh, to make these significant improvements in reliability and the speed uh, with which we restore power. Greg, is uh, part of this uh, plan to uh, bury a lot of these uh, overhead uh, lines? It absolutely is. There's there's five key steps uh, to enable us to deliver on these commitments. We are continuing to do more tree trimming than we've ever done, over 7,000 miles a year. We will continue to inspect 25,000 miles of wire every year. That's enough to go more than once around the globe. And we will continue to modernize the grid with smart technology so that it can sense and respond to outages in an automatic fashion. And like you said, we'll be hardening the system. In some places, that means above-ground hardening with what we call tree wire that can handle the impact of tree limbs. Uh, But there'll be thousands of miles that are most cost-effective to bury so that we don't have to spend so much money trimming those trees. So burying lines will definitely play a big role in achieving these outcomes. Greg, it makes sense. Bury the lines, trim the trees. The grid modernization part of it is interesting to me. I mean, it seems very sci-fi. How would that work? So there's three pieces of technology that we've been busy adding to the system. There's smart meters, which tell us in real time, do you have power at your home or not? Those are installed across our system. We've installed over 10,000 line sensors and will continue to install line sensors throughout this roadmap, which allows us to see what's happening in between our substations and your house. And we recently announced a few months ago the rapid expansion of automatic transfer declosure loops. And that is a really important piece of technology that can automatically reset power if there's a momentary outage that doesn't involve actual damage, and it can reroute power so that one circuit can power the circuit next to it while we while we go out and fix damage that might have occurred uh, somewhere downstream on the circuit that your house is on. So, with all three of those in our in our advanced distribution management system uh, software program, we have the ability to sense and respond quickly and even send a crew to the exact spot where the wire's down. Mm. Really excited about adding that technology. You know, Greg, I think the roadmap looks great. The, the question becomes how costly will the journey be? Uh, have you broken down what the price tag of this five-year plan and path to reliability is and how much of that will be borne by residential rate payers and commercial rate payers? So we absolutely have projected the cost of this plan, and it's a, it's a significant investment. It's You'll see uh, in the filing, it's nearly $9 billion of investment. The key is we've shown through our own experience and through research we've studied from the Electric Power Research Institute that to fix the grid with a plan, with all the right material and all the right permits and all the right equipment at the right spot with the crew, we can do it for 40% less than if we wait till it breaks and try to fix it in the middle of a rainy, windy, or snowy and icy Friday or Saturday night. Sure. So it's a significant investment. We know that every dollar counts and we'll use it prudently. How it plays out in rates will, will be a result of the annual rate case process where we will file for a, a one-year piece of the five-year plan. 
And then we'll litigate that um, through the process that we uh, determine rates in the state. And together with all the people involved in that process and our Public Service Commission, that'll get determined and announced. Um, Greg, when you talk about equity and environmental justice, uh, sustaining our commitment that all communities will experience the benefits of the reliability roadmap, are you talking about uh, those um, rural areas and urban areas, you know, making sure everybody is on that same roadmap? We absolutely are. Uh, some of the rural areas will be where we do uh, the bearing of lines and the reorganizing of circuits for better reliability. And in our urban areas, we have a, we have specific sections of the plan involved with hardening those circuits in, in, the, in the urban neighborhoods that have been around longer. And also when we do that, upsizing them so that they're ready for electric heat pumps, electric water heaters, electric vehicle charging. So there are specific sections of our plan that are built around having equitable access to the clean energy transformation and having safe and reliable electric assets in your neighborhood. Uh, as someone who lives in Gross Point, lost power a couple times. The 24-hour rule sounds great to save some food. Absolutely. And we recognize that it's expensive and painful to have extended, extensive power outages. And, and the plan, the roadmap works together because when we've hardened the system so that no storm is more than 100,000 customers, we also know that we can mobilize and activate enough crews to, to restore 100,000 customers in 24 hours. That's something we've already done. Uh, it's, it's just a matter of continuing to be strong in our response while improving the assets so that these big storms just don't right. do so much damage. And Renee, hopefully uh, this winter we'll get a little reprieve from power outages because uh, the El Nino, which what, what's El Nino Spanish for? The Nino. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's an El Nino this summer. It started back in June. And um, all the experts are saying that's going to translate into a drier, warmer winter. Oh, I'm here for it. Bring we it. I, I, I hate snow. I hate shoveling. I hate driving yep. in it. You know, a mild winter kind of makes winter feel like it's it's going on forever. Uh, it's fine. Yeah, I was going to say, I'll take that trade. It's first thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale.